0: This is The Rest is PR, with Lyle Fulton and Jackie Vors. Hello everyone and welcome once again to The Rest is PR. My name, as it will always be, barring incident, is Lyle Fulton and I am joined as I always am and I hope I always will be by the wonderful Jackie Vores. Jackie, welcome back. It's Friday afternoon once again. We're back where we belong on a Friday afternoon. How has your week been and how are you doing this fine Friday?
1: I genuinely don't remember this week. This week's been a bit of a blur and I think it's we don't like to give away sort of different things but there's been squashed weeks because of these to break and so yeah it's just been a bit of a blur sort of having everything constricted into four days.
0: Absolutely right. Again you're so right we don't like to give away when we record these episodes, when we record the podcast other than the day of the week it happens but squashed week is an absolutely perfect way of putting it let me give you a clue listeners it's been a four-day week there you go so you can put two and two together that's the first thing which what always
1: could be the other all right well there you go
0: which one is it because it's been a long weekend hasn't it very very oh. strange has not it
1: oh no i did say easter didn't i because we've got the coronation coming up
0: in fact well this is the hey and that, it that merits talking about at some point because our man harry has been in the news recently in the last 24 hours so that again gives you a clue as to where we're recording it and we might kind of any other business that (laughs) later in the episode but yes welcome back listeners and it's a pleasure to have you with us a bit of a disclaimer again this unless you know me personally this won't make a blind bit of difference in terms of the timing of when we record this episode of the podcast Um, but I have typically when I have a bit of time off over a bank holiday weekend got ill this week uh, and had a bit of a poorly uh, sort of throat yeah exactly yeah no change under the sun there nothing new under the sun (laughs) um yeah I kind of got a bit of a tickly throat bit of a cold nothing too serious but that might be why you hear me be a touch husky uh, today so uh, bear with me on how deep I sound today but today listeners this week we are talking about something that we've kind of alluded to recently in recent episodes of the podcast we're going to expand Bit of a segue. We're going to expand on something we've spoken about recently by talking about expanding your business, growing your business, and generating new business, meeting new clients, and onboarding and outreach and things like that. Because before we went live, Jackie and I, with this recording, we spoke about the fact that we've addressed maybe the first six months, possibly a year of starting your own business in recent episodes of the podcast, getting a structure in place, having the right people on board the financial side of things we've also obviously addressed recently crisis preparations and having those systems in place but we didn't really get into then how you grow your business organically or otherwise and sort of generate new business and, and meet new clients so I suppose my first question to you Jackie to open this up is can you remember the first client you ever got as a business owner can you remember it and how did yeah, that well, manifest I think
1: itself? we talked about that client before on, on our podcast my first ever client was a chap called Roger Barrett who was my oh, of course principal. he was yeah I mean if I could reach back into the dusty annals of time <laughs> you know, we're, we're talking 30 years ago sure and, and 30 years ago we didn't have amazing things like LinkedIn and lead generation systems that show you who's been to your website and that you can you know follow up and say hey I can see you've been looking at my profile all that stuff just didn't exist most of your business if you didn't have massive ad budgets came from word of mouth and I kind of like to start there sure because it kind of goes back into what I always bang on about which is your positioning your messaging your values your business values your vision your mission all that stuff that I keep talking about which consistently runs through everything you do in business. And this is why this is why I'm in PR, because really PR should be right at the heart of a business because it addresses those core things that you need to communicate out when you're trying to build your business, when you're trying to grow your business, when you're trying to meet new prospects and get new sales in. It all really comes back to those core tenets of what you're about which is your messages your position your mission your vision your values so that's where i wanted to start which was on the word of mouth side of things because if people know what you stand for they're going to immediately connect you when they're thinking about doing whatever it is you do or wanting to to buy whatever it is you make they'll immediately think of you because you stood out to them because your message has been really clear to them
0: Absolutely right. I mean, I think that's actually a really brilliant place to start, as ever, because I've certainly had experiences in my capacity as a business owner of my theatre company. And this is a lesson, you know, I won't go too deeply into it today, but it's a lesson that I've learned, you know, quite harshly over the past week, over the past few weeks, insofar as we're still very early on in our development and in our, you know, existence as a theatre company. And maybe I've been or you know, others within the organization have been a bit guilty of thus far in our development and our early kind of existence, taking commissions because we want the business and we want the work and kind of square peg, slightly square hole in certain things when it comes to our kind of journey and our trajectory, because we want to kind of keep momentum up and keep things moving. And actually, what you say is absolutely spot on be- about messaging and about having those core values. I mean, a question I would ask you is, how important is it when not just starting your business, but also then ultimately growing your business and be that word of mouth way back when, but now obviously through other mediums as well. How important is it to kind of hold your nerve when it mm-hmm. comes to being approached by Businesses who potentially want to work with you to hold your nerve on that message.
1: Oh yeah. Especially when you're starting out. I was chatting away with a, a business friend of mine this morning, actually, about just this issue. It's taken me 30 years to get the confidence to just go, no. Kelly Vera, who I was chatting with the other day, said to me something that I'd said to her had stuck in her mind is that why drive towards the road crash when you see that the crash is coming? why do you keep driving towards it?
0: Such a good point.
1: And that is is inevitably what you do when you first start up. You're kind of like, I'll take your business. I'm so desperate to get that business in. I'll do anything. I, You know, you are so desperate to grow and build and you've got this sort of famine mentality. And it's entirely understandable. And it's what everyone else has done. And it's nothing to be criticised for, because we've all been there and you kind of have to go through that I think it's a bit of a rite of passage but it's only when you really see that some business can actually be more damaging to you than it is good and no amount of money that they would pay you could undo that damage Hmm. and I've had contracts with businesses that have paid huge amounts of money and have wrecked my business flow because they've suddenly become the dominant client in the pack You know, they're the ones that are spending the majority of the money. This particular client was accounted for 50% of our revenue. That left us in a position of not ignoring our other clients, but certainly prioritizing the big client. And it left us in a fearful position where, and I'm talking a long time ago here, so I don't mind saying it, where we really felt like we couldn't criticize or couldn't question what that client was telling us to do that's a really bad balance of power so one of the things one of my core tenets ever since I had that client was to say no to the bigger pieces of business that wanted to spend huge amounts of money with us and I've had them and I have said no because I've seen it go wrong down the line I've seen that car crash coming and I refuse to drive towards it but that's so difficult to do.
0: Of course it is, yeah, for sure. And also, I suppose you see the you see the lights, don't you? You did brilliantly in our last episode with the with a football analogy, uh, albeit it was uh, you know kind of albeit subtly alluded to uh, Manchester United getting absolutely hammered by Liverpool. Um, but a football analogy that's often used as well it's not well it's not a cliche. It's quite literally an analogy because there have been examples of it. Are uh, you know you're a club that starts doing well. Let's say for the sake of argument, your beloved Brighton. Brighton and Hove Albion, who are doing very, very well at the moment. But let's just say for the sake of argument that Brighton are doing very, very well, and they are at the moment, so that's factually correct. But they, in light of their success, and they're growing as a business because they're performing well on the pitch, and they're a very, very well-run football club, so I can't imagine this would ever actually happen. Tony Bloom doing brilliantly over there. But Tony
1: Bloom is a legend.
0: He is a legend. Tony, if you're listening, info at the rest is PR.com on the podcast we'd love to chat to you I'd love
1: to have him on I met him years ago because he's a when I was in my poker days but he would never remember me but But he is
0: great he is such a good chief executive football club. I can't even tell you. And Brighton is such a brilliantly well-run football club. But hypothetically, if Brighton doing really well, then meant that in the summer transfer window, which for those listeners who don't follow football, is a period of time of a couple of months where you can buy and sell players from other football teams across the world. It doesn't necessarily have to be domestically. Say Brighton, then go and buy a star player. Like, you know, a big, big player, you know, 100 million pound player, because that's kind of the quantum. We're looking at that with football players. They're then going to Nick Quantum claxon. There
1: you oh, go. It's fuzzy. You right <laughs> they're
0: going to need to pay if he's worth 100 million pounds they're going to need to pay that 100 million pound football player 200 pounds a week this is the extraordinary figures that we're talking about in football no one playing in brighton's team currently is on anywhere near 200 pounds a week they're on still very very good money don't get me wrong it's 50 60 70 but the reason why brighton is so brilliant is because they're a team that mm. work as one and the flow is brilliant of that squad of players, it's and balanced. no one is
1: balanced. balanced. Yeah, there's no one superstar, you saw what happened with Ronaldo when he went to Man United. That's it. Yeah, a little prima donna.
0: And is it like that when it's kind of, when it comes, was that your Was that that your experience? Was that kind of a similar situation?
1: That's what it's like when you have this really, you know, demanding, very kind of like, you know, dominating client. And I'm talking from a service business perspective now, because obviously there will be people listening to this podcast that come from different types of businesses. You know, so when you're looking at choosing suppliers, for example, you don't want to be beholden to one supplier who could potentially just cut you off just like that. And that's something that I I try always to have a backup with on my suppliers. So I've got three sets of lawyers that I could call on. I've got two sets of accountants that I could call on. I've got two banks that I currently work with. I've always, always got a backup on my suppliers.
0: Banks is an interesting segue because you've just reminded me, actually. I'm so glad you reminded me of this. I've been promising myself for weeks that I'd remind you of <laughs> a story you brought up. And I remember you said to me before we went live as well that it's actually relevant to this particular topic, potentially. This Crime Watch story, which I think our listeners have been on tenterhooks about. You've kind of briefly raised the fact that your choice of bank and the fact that you were the youngest person to ever have a bank account at your local branch yeah. led to an appearance on Crime Watch. And yeah. then you left it there. And I was devastated. And I've been on <laughs> pins ever since, to use a phrase my wife always uses, I've been on pins ever since. Can you tell us finally (laughs) about A, this crime watch story and B, how it does actually link to, you know, the topic we're discussing today? Well,
1: yeah, it does. It does. It plays to relationships, actually, because something else that's very important, even if you do sort of have multiple suppliers, is to have very good relationships with your suppliers, with everybody that you work with, with your partners, and respect them and respect their time. Don't be a time waster. As you grow your business, you never know who you're going to have to rely on to help you. And so being as helpful as you can to those people. I really believe in karma in business. What goes around really does come around in so many ways. And yet, yeah, this is a, it's a good example of having a great relationship with a bank. So when I was 12 years old, I used to make ceramic hedgehogs. And I used to sell them for two pounds a hedgehog. In those days, I don't know what £2 equates to. It's probably £10. It's probably even 15 I don't know. But anyway, I made bucket loads of them. And I used to sell them. My mother's a sculptress and she used to go from agricultural show and different galleries and stuff like that and I think some of the galleries would take a hedgehog just to make her happy but I managed to sell quite a lot of these things and it, it just transpired that I needed somewhere to put my money I couldn't keep it in a bank so I boldly went to NatWest and said I wanted a bank account because I had this money that I needed to access because I wanted to start using my money of course I could have had a savings account with And I did, in the end, with Sussex County Building Society. But I also had a bank account. Big up Sussex County Building Society.
0: Big up the mention of Sussex County Building Society.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so I had this, um, which is now nationwide, by the way. So I had this bank account, and I was just known for having this bank account, this kid and everything else. And because my name is quite recognisable, quite memorable... And also, I think because my dad ran a division of Reed business publishing in that town as well. The name was well known because he was signing checks in that branch as well for other things as well. So moving on many, many years later, when I set up my first business, I went to the same bank. It was still my personal private bank. And I said to the guys there, "Could you help me set up a business account? And they did. And it was great. And it was funny and it was exciting. And a few years after that, when the business was very established and, you know, we could afford not to have to clean the, the, the house ourselves and we could afford to bring uh, contract cleaners in. <laughs> we used to keep our checkbooks in a safe. And this might sound silly to people actually because I like where this is
0: going by the way. I like where <laughs> this is going. this has got kind of true crime documentary spin-off written all over it well, in, those,
1: in those days if somebody stole a check the financial systems were not as sophisticated as they are now I mean nowadays very rarely do people even write checks but we had to write checks for everything. There was no such thing as a credit card machine in those days, it just di- it didn't exist. Checks were everything, checks and cash were everything. So we used to keep the checkbook under lock and keys. We kept our checkbooks in the safe. And at this time, I'd also started a company called PR Shots And um, my then husband had his own business. We kept all of those checkbooks in this safe. And then one day we came in and the safe had been left open. And I think we were all a bit kind of like, who left the safe open? Didn't really understand it. It was one of those safes that had a key and a combination lock on it. And I think basically what had happened was somebody had just locked the key and not done the combination lock. So we were like, okay, that's a bit odd. Didn't think much of it. Everything was in the safe. We looked, we checked it. Absolutely fine. All right. Note to self, so Let's make sure we twist the combo. Then my bank manager phoned me up and said, "Jackie, have you sent somebody in here to cash a check for ten thousand pounds?" And I said, "No." I mean, the idea of cashing a check for ten thousand—I've never cashed a check for ten thousand. I never would. Yeah. No. Why?
0: Cashing it's- a check for ten grand, by the way, as yeah. in quite literally, check over the counter. £10,000 in a bag back to you. Wow.
1: Now, this is the interesting thing. So this woman had walked in off the street with a a check made to cash from our business account and had passed it over the counter. And I'm just trying to remember the exact details. But the bottom line was the cashier recognised my company and knew my signature. You just don't get that these days. No. No. They'd forged all these identity documents and everything else. They'd forged a load of stuff as well wow. to go along with it. Anyway, so she went and said to Robin, my then bank manager, this isn't Jackie's... I know her. I know her signature. This isn't her signature. And they came back out to question the woman and she'd scarpered. Yeah,
0: bolted, I imagine. Yeah, the second she was found out. But also... she yeah, knew. I... The minute
1: they went back behind, that she knew she was out there. As it turns out, they'd been in, and it was the, a cleaner in the contract cleaning company, a new company we'd employed, had been in and taken the checks out of the middle of the checkbooks of not only my company, but PR shots and also my husband's company, and was starting to just write out checks for willy-nilly, and some things did go through, and some things but it but that was the big one. That Anyway, it turns out it was a bit of a racket, no. and... They used my thing on Crime Watch. So Crime Watch for those people in different countries is a TV show that showed real life, true crime On the television, in prime time, on BBC One, basically doing reenactments or showing videos or showing pictures of criminals and encouraging the country to identify people and phone up and report suspicious behaviour and all this sort of thing. It was a very popular show that ran for 20 years, you know, mainstream TV. And yeah, they, they showed... This woman going into my bank on the CCTV, they showed a still of her face, everything. It's great.
0: Were you were you shown?
1: No, no. Nothing no. Say. I was going
0: to say, because what I was about to say is there are a number of takeaways here. The first is that obviously you had a strong relationship with your bank and yeah. that kind of section of your business was so strongly founded and has had such like kind of, you know, strong and kind of integrity-based foundations that the second someone came in, I mean, I also love the fact, oh, that's not Jackie's signature, but also I've known Jackie for a while. Yeah. There's no way in a million years she's sending someone in to cash a check this big. Yeah. Like if Jackie walked in and did this herself, I'd think this was a bit unusual.
1: It's still probably hu- yeah,
0: Because <laughs> it's a huge amount of money. But the fact that someone else has come in and clearly that's not Jackie's signature, etc. But then I was about to say, but now you've clarified. I was like, oh, you know, the actor in the podcast still hasn't been on the telly other than when he was like <laughs> seven or eight. And someone steals some checks from Jackie's house and Jackie's on crime watch. You know, I'm both... telly. don't even talk to me. <laughs> when? You haven't said this before. When? When have you been on telly before?
1: I've been on telly loads, but that's for another podcast. That's for
0: another TV appearances. <laughs> the rest is TV appearances, mostly, if not entirely, by Jackie. None from Lyle. That'll be the next title of the episode. I was actually a child advert.
1: Guy. Yeah.
0: I did two adverts, but that's again a story for now. Yeah. I mean, that kind of leads us nicely on to. I imagine when you set a business up, right, for the first time, and I don't just imagine it, you know, I've, I've done it myself, but we're not quite, A, we're not in the space really and in the realm that we require things like that. I mean, we've got an accountant and things like that. We've got a business bank account, but. You know you start a business from the bottom up and you obviously have some seed money or some investment like we've discussed before but your team is fairly insular i imagine like you've got your team you're at the top with you know a few trusted kind of partners in the business when you set it up then you employ people and we're going to actually talk about that in a future episode of the podcast like how you come to actually interview people that's going to be a very exciting episode um so watch this space for that one but then you start to grow the business and you start to look at having bank managers you start to look at having contractors who come in and work on your office. You start yeah. to look at, you know, kind of increasing your insurance. I mean, top tips for for that and how to kind of control the runaway train that that is, because it can be quite a thing, can't it, to keep track of that side of your expansion. I mean, we're going to get onto actually new clients as well. But You're that, that
1: administrative yeah, the
0: ad- administrative growth. Because that, yeah. that can sometimes be the most stressful, can't it, really?
1: It can be. And to a certain extent, I don't think, uh, certainly when I set business, when my first business is up, it was very onerous because we didn't have the internet in those days. So you were literally, you know, filling out lots and lots of forms, sending them off. If you got them wrong, they got sent back to you. You had to redo them. You didn't know if you were doing them right. My advice on business process is that there's a lot of, exceptionally good content out there on the web but to not overthink it as well and to not think and I'm saying this because I'm the worst person for this by the way oh must have one of those must have one of those must have one of those anything shiny and new and I'm like I want it I have to have yeah. it. try not to think that way try to think very much from keeping things as simple as possible right now I have two bank accounts three accountants three lawyers whatever it is because i've built up those relationships over many many years i do think you should always think about your plan b with anything so when you're getting suppliers always think of a plan b should something go wrong with that supplier i think if you're uh, going to be spending a lot of money with people you want to really think about why you should you know give your loyalty to those people what you're getting back on top of all of that not just the service they provide but are you top of their list for things but i want to keep it really simple to start with make sure that the cogs of your wheels are oiled and only put things on layer on when you really need something as you start to grow and you start to expand that's where the cracks start to happen and usually cracks start to happen because you're too thinly spread Mm. so you need to think about not spreading yourself too thin and think about what you bring to your business as the business grows. So another big mistake that I made, which I'm really happy to share is that as my first business grew and we got to million, multi multi-million pound turnover, 70, 80 staff, you know, it was an excellent business. But what happened to me was that I became a bean counter. Mm. I was not a PR professional. Now the biggest failure for me with that was that that meant that the quality of our offering and our service I felt was not as good as it should have been and I I feel that if I hadn't made that mistake that business might still be going to this day Mm. that business ended up I mean it was really struck by a couple of really bad things first was the dot-com crash the second thing was the 9-11 and we had put all our money into property and of course property went into a complete after 9-11. And and we ended up selling that business in a complete fire sale. Mm. But I think a lot of the failure of that business on me was the fact that I spread myself too thin and I went operational when I should have stayed to my strengths. And I, you know, as anybody's business is growing, it's growing because you as the principal or you both, if you're partners or trio, you all brought your special source to that. Keep an understanding of your special source and keep that going. Yeah. Bring in other people to do the bean counting. Know when. It's really, it's interesting. It's so interesting. It's a psychological thing because I I think at that time I wanted to keep sight and keep control and I hadn't experienced having a financial controller. I hadn't experienced having an HR person. So all I knew to do was be the HR person, be the financial controller, be the chief PR person. And it was physically impossible. So I think, yeah, in hindsight, as that grew, that was my fatal error. So I'd like people to make sure that they play to their own strengths.
0: It's really speaking to actually a situation that I found myself in recently. You know, it's, you know, again, something I'm I'm not afraid to kind of open up about, because again, we're very early in our in our development as a company, and I've along with my colleague, um, who I also run the company with, we've, as a duo, found ourselves doing exactly that. We found ourselves being that. And I think the quality of our output is still fairly high. But, you know, I'd be lying if I said it's where we want it to be. And I think we, you know, we, we're getting closer and summer's going to be really, really brilliant for, for wild geese, I've no doubt. But the quality of our output in the summer will only be the quality we expect and the standard we expect if we focus on that side of things, which is what we started out as being. We started out as being creators, creatives, you know, we've been actors before, we're directors, you know, theater makers. And I found myself recently because the business has grown having to kind of on the hoof, really, you know, but, you know, learning from the best, that's not just me, you know, sort of sat here with you now, but learning from people and talking to people like yourself and other people who've done it in the past, I've kind of had to be the right, well, you know, we need to go into negotiations, I need to kind of sort the financials out, we need to get ourselves insured, we need to buy a vans, there needs to be an infrastructure, there needs to be a payment structure, we need to do risk assessments. And I'm trying to remember the last time I created if I'm being really honest I know that sounds like a really weird thing to say but it's the truth and so it's actually really struck a chord it's it's really good to hear that because actually you know that would be a really excellent piece of advice I think for anyone looking to grow their business is never I know this sounds a bit kind of overly philosophical but I think it is a truth it's a fairly you know sort of well-held truth which is don't lose yourself in it you know as it grows you should grow with it in terms of what you do you shouldn't then do other things you know umpteen different things bring people in who do that stuff you know
1: definitely and the other thing which I think is so important which I didn't do because I was too young and proud I didn't ask for help when I really could have done with some help and I just thought that that would be a bad reflection on me. It was difficult for me at the time because I was a young woman, and I remember people telling me stories about people in my first job saying, "Oh, Jackie Balls, she thinks she can run a company. Oh, let's wait to see that fail." And, you know,
0: <laughs> she's run four now. Everybody, just FYI, but at but last count, I think.
1: I, there I think, you go. You, know, you take those things to heart. You take it all really personally. No you know, it's easy for me to sit back now in hindsight and say it, but at the time I really felt that it was a failure to ask for help. Mm -hmm. And I really wish I had, and I really wish I hadn't, I wish I didn't have my embarrassment gene then. I don't have it now, but um, I I was too embarrassed. and I was too um, proud, I think maybe to show weakness. And I think, Or what I perceived as weakness. And now I think it's really honestly a great strength for people to go, you know what, something's going wrong. I'm digging at it and digging at it and I can't see it and I don't know and I need to get some advice. I need to get some help, which is why I like to mentor these days, which is why I like to kind of help people, help young people getting into their career, getting them to open their sort of minds a bit to possibility because if you haven't experienced it you don't know that the possibility is there that's the one thing I wish that I had done more of no awesome.
0: for sure for sure I mean I'm bad for it my wife will be listening to this and I am so bad for it I can't even tell you and she'll say oh, is there anything I can help with and in my head I'm like absolutely yes <laughs> <What's that?"> Abs- <laughs> absolutely yes there is but front facing I'm like oh no I'm, I'm fine I'm just getting on with it and you know those that know me, I mean, my weeks are kind of, you know, I exist within three or four different things that I do. And I I guess I just get my head down. I mean, maybe it is a pride thing as well. I think there is definitely an element of that. But I think I also get tunnel vision. I think I get my head down and I'm bad for it. I kind of narrow my focus when I should delegate more and ask for help. And I think that's a really, really brilliant piece of advice. I mean, I suppose to finish off this episode of growing a business, I think we've kind of gone down actually a really interesting tangent as we always do. We always go down tangents on our, on our podcast and and we'll definitely delve deeper into this in, in future episodes when we when we touch on this again as I'm sure we will with with guests as well who come on the podcast and and by the way if you are um a business owner who has experiences you know good bad or indifferent about growing and expanding your business get in touch with us because we'd be really keen to kind of hear different approaches and different stories and how your experience has been. But I suppose a question I have for you is this just to kind of finish off. We were going to talk about the technicalities behind outreach and approaching new clients and approaching new business but actually I'm going to kind of leave this episode on a bit of an open-ended question which is does that kind of become not irrelevant that's the wrong word but a bit moot because if you've got your own house in order in terms of the expansion if you are a well-aligned individual at the top of the business who's asking for help and delegating if you've got people within the business as you've expanded administratively who all know their roles and you don't have to spread yourself too thin and if you have a clear message are they just going to come to you because they see that the house is built well or is it do you still have to do you still have to put the running in you still have to kind of do the outreach?
1: It's a really interesting point and probably one for a whole selling kind of Podcast, but it's very interesting for me because I've got to the stage, as I've said many times before, I don't run Demoso to be like this multinational company, whereas daf who is rapidly taking over, does. (laughs) So, you know, my perspective is very much when you find that person you want to do business with, you put the effort in. Hmm. It's just like with any any relationship, you put your effort in. So if you want that business you do everything you can to get that business to prove that you're the right partner so for example I positively do not take on every piece of business that we are offered but when I want that business boy oh boy do I try and sell my socks off to get that business Mm. do you know what I mean Because you know everyone wants to see the passion that you're going to have for them moving on through everything you do with them So you must display yourself true to form. I would say you do always need to sell. You always need to have a sales brain, really, because you're constantly, you should be constantly looking. If you enjoy what you do, which I do, you should be constantly looking at what you do, bringing a positive effect Mm. to the companies that you serve. And so if you see a company over there, and there's a few of them on my radar at the moment, just not doing it. Where they should be doing it, (laughs) you're going to tell them and you're going to say, you really should be working with me. And I do that occasionally. I'll just get so infuriated with a company. I'll phone them up and say, listen, I don't know what you're doing or who you're doing it with, but this is my two penny worth. This is what I think you should be doing. So usually I give away the bit of the baby with the bathwater and I sort of say my opinion. But most of the time, the business that we do comes to us because we are specialists, you know, know, we know what we're doing, we have all the right relationships, yada, yada, yada. But I do think you should always be selling, you should never rest on your laurels. And the other thing, and I was talking to my business friend about this this morning the world is changing at such a rate of knots you're constantly having to change your offerings so what we offered 10 years ago is so completely different to what we offer now it's like ridiculously different yeah you know when I started there wasn't a snap or an insta or anything like that you know and now you look at insta you look at tiktok they didn't exist when we started Demosa, And
0: now that is huge,
1: huge. And now huge. And we have specialist digital people looking after those channels. And we have good relationships with those channels on a commercial basis. I would never have imagined that to happen. So... You know, if you're not moving with the times and then reminding people, actually, we're not just PR, we do advertising, we do marketing, we do influencer relations, we do all these different services that don't just fit into PR. So, of course, you've always got to be evolving and then re-establishing what you do and always, always being true to your positioning, your messaging, your vision, your mission and your values.
0: Did we call this podcast the wrong thing? Right, I'm just, I'm I'm going to throw this out there. Right, okay, you know, it should have involved something about messaging, preparedness, no, you're absolutely spot on. And like, just to finish off, by the way, listeners as well, uh, slightly embarrassingly, and I'm going to own up here, with absolutely no foundation whatsoever, I've started doing something similar, which is that I've started going, well, if I was your PR guy, um I think I'd be doing it slightly differently and there's no foundation to that whatsoever because I've never PR'd anybody uh I've worked as part of a team that's PR'd a client uh, I've been a very small cog in a huge machine and I've started going you know sort of I'm out at sort of dinner or whatever I'm like well you know if I was your PR uh, I think we'd be doing it this way um but I think you do like do you know what I mean if you if you're interested and you want to do you know what I mean you want to start that work I mean it's like I visit theatres now and I'm like oh you know I think our work would, you know, really, really settle in well here at the theatre. And instead of kind of mumbling it to yourself behind your hand, you have to go, who runs this place? We have a chat quickly. Yeah, I think we we make plays and I think they do really well here. Let's chat. You know, if I have your email address, let's have a phone call. Not aggressive. Aggression is kind of misplaced sometimes, but you have to be passionate and you have to show that drive and that determination um you have to show that enthusiasm to want to work with people and i suppose that's a nice place to leave it on isn't it you know if you want to grow your business organically if you want to expand and earn new business show enthusiasm for some targets Do you know what i mean have some targets have some people in mind and go, go for them Do you know what i mean really go for it and, and really give it your everything listeners thank you so much for being with us on this latest episode of the rest is PR, something which, by the way, unusual for recently. Um, we've actually kind of drifted down something that we planned to talk about, which was magnificent because recently it just kind of feels a bit like we've gone, "Hey, everyone, we're going to talk about this today."
1: We decided just <laughs> yeah. now that we're
0: going to talk about it. But thank you for joining us. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, it's T's and C's time. It's that time again. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so via info at the rest is pr.com that's our email address you can email us via that way um, you can also get in touch with us via linkedin jackie jackie vores on linkedin myself lyle fulton message us we've had a number of guests uh, get in touch with us via that medium uh, you can also head to the rest is pr.com to check out what the podcast has been up to episode listings are up there it's being updated all the time you can also email us info at demozo.com speaking of demozo head over to demozo.com lots of exciting things going on with demozo currently as we've briefly alluded to daf is back from LA. la
1: yeah
0: he's back you know and he's he's ready to take the uk he's by storm.
1: again i think though i think he's going back to la and then to seattle he's got istanbul planned as well
0: but i'm not gonna make the mistake i made in last week's episode of the podcast daf will be traveling to all those places not luxuriantly but totally <laughs> you know like one of us walking <laughs> walking um, normally amongst men uh, because i made that mistake and i was made to feel very guilty and you'll be pleased no listeners that daf uh, is 100 safe back in the uk ready to take the uk by storm and he'll be heading elsewhere with the mozo also i forgot to mention uh, for the first time i think so far since we've been recording this podcast that you can also follow us on twitter at the rest is pr capital t capital r capital i capital pr jackie same yeah. time next week what do you think yes wonderful stuff well yes yes Yes. i I think we will um wonderful i love that to the point we're ready to go thank you so much listeners for being with us once again on the latest episode of the rest is pr from jackie and myself we'll see you next week
1: but it's bye for now